Something to note, all myths have many versions and variations. For this episode, we've selected those we felt are the most dramatic and entertaining and supplemented them with additional research into Norse traditions. Our myths may not always be the version you're familiar with, but we hope you'll enjoy them. A warning, this episode features some violent content. Listener discretion is advised, especially for listeners under 13. Heathens, hear me! I am here in the light of our Father to show thee the error of thy ways. You wallow in muck, making infant sacrifices to pagan gods. Gods who do not exist, for there is only one, and he does not stomach sinners. Our story begins somewhere in Germania many centuries ago. A priest from what is now England had come to stop the pagans from worshipping false gods. This confrontation came to a head as the crowd moved to sacrifice an infant beneath a large oak tree thought to be sacred to the god Thor. The priest stood before the tree, arms raised to stop the ceremony from proceeding. Protest all you like, but I am protected by his power. Uh, That and the Pope's guards, come no closer. Today I prove that your petty superstitions are just that. This oak, you believe it belongs to, which god was it? Odin? Balder? Thor! Ah, yes, Thor. You have so many made-up deities, I can't keep them straight. Well, I am here to tell you this tree is just a tree. It belongs to God, the true God, and no other. No more babies will die beneath its branches. Today, it falls. No, no, please. The priest produced an ax from his robes. He raised it over his shoulder, ready to bring it down with all his might. If I am wrong, then may your false God, strike me down! The priest was cut off by a deep boom of thunder from the clouds overhead. A moment later, it was followed by a crack and a flash. A bolt of lightning struck the earth right where the priest was standing. The flash of white light blinded everyone in attendance for an instant. When their eyes adjusted, they saw that the tree itself had been obliterated and the priest along with it, his singed robe wafted to the dirt. As the smoke cleared, two figures appeared in the charred ruins. The villagers did not know who the sturdy older woman was, but there was no mistaking the towering man beside her. Raw power radiated from him and the hammer he held in his hand. It was Thor, the god of thunder. Whoops. (laughs) 
Welcome to Mythology, a Spotify original from Parcast. Every Tuesday, we present dramatic stories from ancient mythology and explore their origins. I'm your host and narrator, Vanessa Richardson. You can find all episodes of Mythology and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. Today, we begin a three-part narrative following the adventures of the Norse god of thunder, Thor. He's perhaps the most iconic of the Norse gods. This is likely because he feels like a combination of archetypal heroes from around the world. He wields lightning like the Greek god Zeus, wrestles mighty animals like Hercules of the same canon, and slays giants like the ancient Mesopotamian hero Gilgamesh. But like many of these archetypes, the original story of Thor is not one of cut-and-dried heroism. He is a distinctly flawed character, and the way he was worshipped is deeply troubling to modern sensibilities. Coming up, Thor is given an epic quest. If you went on a road trip and you didn't stop for a Big Mac or drop a crispy fry between the car seats or use your McDonald's bag as a placemat, then that wasn't a road trip. It was just a really long drive. At participating McDonald's. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Ask someone today who Thor is, and they'll probably tell you he's a hero, a force of justice who wields a hammer and lightning. But this benign image of the god is relatively modern, stemming more from the world of superhero comics than ancient mythology. In 1962, issue number 83 of Marvel's Journey into Mystery introduced the world to Thor, not just as a god, but as a cape-wearing comic book character. This appearance paved the way for the most well-known version of Thor, the hunky hero of Marvel's film adaptations. But the original Thor was nowhere near as noble as Chris Hemsworth's rugged Avenger, especially when you look at how he was worshipped. According to Roman and later Saxon histories of pre-Christian Europe, followers of Thor sacrificed infants and adults to him in the hopes of winning his favor or preventing his wrath. Human sacrifice is a tricky subject for historians. In this case, the Christians who sought to conquer or convert the North were known to exaggerate or fabricate stories about the pagans to vilify them. The line between historical evidence and ancient propaganda becomes difficult to discern after almost 2,000 years. 
However, according to the National Museum of Denmark, there's archaeological evidence for human sacrifice among Viking cultures. Skeletons of adults and children have been found in wells and at various ritual sites. So while it's unclear if this was a common part of Thor worship, it certainly did exist for some followers. Modern depictions of Thor and the Vikings who worshipped him often sand off this rough edge. But for a people whose lives were filled with warfare, starvation, and disease, it makes sense that the Vikings might imagine a god who demanded such sacrifice. When a lightning bolt struck the forest and burnt it down, destroying their homes, they had no way to explain it. To them, this act of nature must have come from an unhappy god. And such a powerful figure would, of course, also have to be a warrior, as was any leader in this time and place. By the 13th century, when stories about Thor were written down, he had solidified into an unstoppable folk hero who killed more giants than all the other gods combined. That being said, there's another side of Thor that emerges in the poetic and prose Eddas, two of the earliest written sources of Norse mythology. For as often as Thor is heroic, he's also rather oafish and easily tricked. Over the next three episodes, we'll see the manly, heroic side of Thor, competing in fishing and drinking contests, in races, and, as always, slaying giants. But we'll also see how in each story, his wits are also tested, and he doesn't always come out victorious. This makes Thor a fascinating figure. Through him, we learn that even a people as brutal as the Norse pagans knew that strength without wisdom is useless. Which brings us to where we left off, with Thor and his companions standing before a crowd having interrupted a religious conflict. It was a harrowing sight, a massive tree blackened and split down the middle, the charred remains of a man, and the glistening god of thunder and his female companion, surrounded by dozens of kneeling worshippers. Thor, you idiot! I didn't think your means of travel would kill a man! Well, it looks like that priest was about to chop down these villagers' sacred tree. Seems to me we did them a favor. Was destroying their sacred tree part of this favor? Thor looked behind him, noticing the blasted oak for the first time. Oh, well, it is a Thor's oak. I can do whatever I want to it. God of Thunder, uh, please know that we did not listen to the heretic. Here, take the sacrifice. My son, born just last week. (laughs) Oh, uh, how thoughtful. Wait, you cannot take this man's child. What would you even do with it? Usually I trade it to the dwarves for some new armor or similar trinket. That's terrible. It's a human life. Oh, please, Tira. You speak about human life as if it were some precious thing. Do you know how many human babies I've seen die in my eons of existence? Most of them. It may not seem important to you, but believe me, to each human on Midgard, a person's own life is the most precious thing of all. Give the man his baby back. Uh, No, God of Thunder, uh, please, accept our sacrifice. What kind of father are you? Mind your own business, lady. Who do you think you are? 
I was born Princess Tira. I was raised in war and captivity. Through the help of Odin, god of wisdom, I became the Empress Sigrid. I have united the island nations like never before. I bring peace wherever I go. That is who I think I am. So you're not a god? Well, no. Then go away! The villagers were growing angry with the Empress. She did not understand their ways. They did not understand the civilization she sought to impart. She turned back to Thor. Thor, you were sent to serve me by Odin's command. Do as I say and put that baby back this instant or I will summon your father. <sighs> Very well. Here, villagers, have your baby. Uh, no, except our sacrifice or we will surely perish. No, no, it's fine. Take the little one. I promise not to burn down any more of your trees. Blessed and reassured, the crowd dispersed, scampering back to the village to share stories of the miracle they had just witnessed. Only the Pope's guards remained. You lot, why are you still here? Uh, you have slain our priest and shaken our faith. We no longer know what to believe or what to do with our lives. Return south. Tell the Roman Emperor or whoever's in charge these days that we keep our own beliefs in the north. Should we? I said go! Finally, the guards raced away, disappearing into the forest. Thor turned to Tira. Why are we here anyway? Seems a rather forgettable place, even for Midgard. In honor of the new alliance between my kingdom and the other realms, we are to have a feast with members of all races in attendance. Odin reminded me that you gods can eat an unending amount, and so we are to locate the cauldron of Hymir, the giant. Apparently, it never runs out of stew. Aye, I have heard of this relic, but how did it come to be in this land? Hymir recently immigrated to Midgard with his wife, Blodugada. <gasps> Why, Blodugada is my half-brother Tyr's grandmother, the nine-hundred-headed monstrosity! Indeed. Try not to stare. If we offend them in any way, they'll refuse to give us the cauldron, and the feast will be off. The Alliance will fall apart, and the Nine Realms will descend into chaos. Got it? Aye. Sounds like a quest worthy of Thor, the god of thunder. We need to get moving. The castle's a mile that way. Oh, okay then. Wait! Wait for me! Thor hurried along after his mortal charge. She was a strange woman, to be sure, unlike any of the ladies of Asgard. It occurred to him that, if anything, she reminded him more of his father. But he shook the thought from his head. It was blasphemy to compare the two. She was not nearly as strong as Odin. She worked with giants rather than slay them. He would complete his mission and return to the usual heroics as soon as possible. Coming up, Thor tries his hand at diplomacy. 
Every so often, something so impactful happens, it has the power to capture the attention of a whole country. An event so deadly or dumbfounding, it has no choice but to live on in infamy. Hi, Parcasters. It's Ashley Flowers, and I'm exposing the most sinister cases from the darkest corners of the globe in my new True Crime Limited series, International Infamy. Every Tuesday, come along as I guide you on a wicked world tour. 15 different countries, 15 infamous crimes. Take a trip to Iceland, where six people confessed to a murder that never actually happened. Journey to Mexico, where a Lucha Libre wrestler moonlights as a serial killer. And travel to New Zealand, where two friends hatch a deadly plan to become famous. Each episode of International Infamy explores the twists and turns of a notoriously high-profile case, zeroing in on the cultural details which make the crime unique to its location, and explaining why it couldn't have happened anywhere else. Follow my new Spotify original from ParCast, International Infamy with Ashley Flowers, and catch a new episode every week. Listen free on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Now back to the story. Himir's longhouse loomed large over Thor and Tira. The building could be seen atop a hill surrounded by several walls and an entire village within them. It did not seem a happy place. The construction was shoddy and the weather gray. The villagers, mostly giants, mucked about in rags, farming swamp animals and plants. Himir didn't have much in the way of security. He assumed no one would be foolish enough to approach his home uninvited. Thor and Tira were able to make it a fair way into the fortress before they finally ran into some guards. The guards demanded to know who they were before they could proceed into the longhouse. I am Empress Sigrid of the North, and this is... Thor, the god of thunder. I have come to grace your dastardly master's halls with my presence. Forgive his rudeness. It is we who are honored to visit such an esteemed place. Thor is under orders from his father to serve me. He will not bring harm to any of you. I swear it. The giants exchanged a fearful look. They'd heard enough stories about Thor to know just how dangerous he could be. But Tira's reassurance finally persuaded them, and they told the two visitors to hurry inside quickly. The dark central hall of the longhouse was illuminated solely by a fire pit at its center. The flames cast dancing shadows on the walls. Thor and Tira proceeded in until they spotted something large looming in the corner. Um, hello? Are you the lady of the house? <sighs> oh, I do not think I fit your definition of a lady, Empress. The figure stepped forward into the firelight. It was Blodugata, wife of Himir, grandmother of Tyr, she of the 900 heads. Her body stretched the rafters of the longhouse. Her 900 heads were all scowling. She was both fair and hideous. It depended on the head. My lady, 
I have always sought to broaden the definition of what a lady can and cannot be. From what I am told, you run your husband's home with efficiency and kindness. I do wonder, are you actually 900 people or just 900 brains that all act in unison? Thor, be silent! My lady, we have come to ask Kimir for a favor of which we are most unworthy. We ask that we might use his cauldron to serve our guests at the upcoming summit. Then it is both wise and unwise that you have brought Thor. For Hymir despises visitors and will be enraged to see one from Asgard most of all. But when he tries to kill you, having the Giant Slayer as your bodyguard will come in useful. Perhaps you might be willing to employ some of your legendary cunning to prevent such violence? Both I and the Allfather himself would be in your debt. The giantess was silent for a moment. Tira worried she had angered the woman, but then a wry smile spread across her 900 faces. Forget the Allfather! We women must stick together! I will help you, Empress. Come, let us hide you in the rafters. I will soften the blow of your arrival to my husband when he returns from the hunt. Perhaps then he will be more amenable to your request. Thor and Tira climbed a ladder up into the lofts of the longhouse, hiding beneath animal furs. Through a gap in the storage urns before them, they allowed themselves a view of the fire pit. Soon enough, Himir himself arrived. His appearance was less unique than his wife's. He was large to be sure, but no more so than any giant. His craggy features and gray skin were typical of his race. Husband! How was the hunt? Ah, what do you care, you old cow? <sighs> you would not speak to me so if you knew all that went on within my heads. Uh, a whole lot of nothing, I imagine. More than what goes on in that single rotten melon of yours. Himir turned to her with a scowl. There was a tense moment. Then both giants broke out laughing. Himir walked forward and began to passionately kiss one of Blodugata's 900 heads. Thor grimaced and almost made a retching sound, but a look from Tira silenced him. Husband, I have something to tell you. Ugh, and the evening was off to such a pleasant start. Now, now, try and be nice. We have some visitors. Visitors? Himir's face twisted with rage. He lashed out at some nearby pots, smashing them into pieces with a single violent gesture. Shards of ceramic scattered across the floor. I hate visitors! Try to take my things, steal my land, usurp my position! Who are these guests? One of my good-for-nothing brothers? It's not my sister, is it? No, 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 nothing so horrible as that! It's the Empress Sigrid from the North! <laughs> the Empress? She must want my lands, for sure! Just your cauldron, actually, for a feast she's having. 
Of course. What did I say? Guests always want something. But it's such a small thing. And for a good cause. Her feasts bring peace between the races. This is known. <sighs> well, perhaps you speak some wisdom, woman. Well, I suppose... Uh... We can part with the cauldron for our time, but the Empress must avail us of her company for the next few days. Where is she? Close by, but there is one other thing. What now? She has a companion. He is not one of your favorite people. Who is it? Who? It's Thor. Himir's bellow of rage shook the entire settlement. Tira cringed above him in the loft, but Blodugada had worked her magic. Despite his displeasure at the presence of Thor, Himir agreed to host the duo for a few days and then send them off with the cauldron. But of course, he could not let his animosity toward Thor go unsatiated. He resolved to test the strength of the God of Thunder over the next few days, hoping to prove that he was not the invincible giant slayer everyone believed him to be. The next morning, he found Thor sitting at the edge of his lake, skipping rocks so hard that they flew out of Midgard and into the branches of the world tree. Himir scowled at this display of power. Anyone could skip rocks. Thor, how was your sleep? Huh? Oh, Himir, it's you. I slept well, thank you. Your longhouse is most, um, agreeable. Well, I see you're admiring my lake. Yes, it is quite impressive. Many miles long, I see, and just as deep, no doubt. Oh, have no doubt whatsoever. It is deep and teeming with creatures you could only dream of, including a serpent larger than any other in all the world tree. I should like to see that. Then let us set out on my boat, God of Thunder. Prove your strength and skill as a fisherman. Catch the serpent on your line. Oh, uh, very well. Himir walked over and grabbed his tackle chest, then loaded it onto a boat. Thor followed suit, reaching out to examine the contents of the chest. But Himir grabbed his wrist. No, no, God of Thunder. That is my bait. You must find your own. Thor wanted to take his hammer and knock the giant's head off, but he thought of the Empress and his father. They would want him to handle this situation diplomatically. And so he wandered around the house looking for something to use as bait. He eventually arrived at the side yard, where Himir's three prized oxen were grazing. Thor couldn't help but think that in order to catch a sea serpent, he would need bait as large as an ox. Surely Himir wouldn't notice one was missing. A few moments later, Thor returned to the lakeshore with a full, bloody satchel. 
Himir eyed him suspiciously. What have you got there? Oh, this. Tis but a few of the provisions I brought with me from Asgard. Himir's gaze lingered on the satchel, but after a few moments, he turned back to the boat. He and Thor made their way onto the vessel, and each taking an oar, they paddled out onto the lake. Once they had reached the deepest part of the lake, they cast their lines. Himir used an impressive contraption meant to mimic a giant krill. It had a large metal body painted a peach color with bird feathers fastened along the sides. A jagged metal hook the size of a hand protruded from the bottom. Thor lowered a chunk of ox meat into the water, and they both waited. It was only a few minutes before Himir felt a tugging at his line. He pulled back, revealing an entire whale was caught on his hook. He laid it across the bow, its tail and head dangling in the water. <laughs> Not the serpent, but better than you could do, I'll wager. Beat that, Thunder God! Thor was not so sure that he could, but then, all of a sudden, he too felt a tug on his line. Peering over the side of the boat, he saw that the water had grown dark. If he'd had a higher vantage point, he would have seen that something massive was underneath them. Whoa now! It seems I too have hooked a whale! Thor started to loop the line around his shoulder, each pass becoming more and more difficult as his catch struggled against him. Suddenly, the surface of the water broke, revealing the head of an enormous serpent with eyes the size of Thor's torso. By the Allfather, what a beast! In a moment, the contest is decided. Now back to the story. Himir the giant was furious. He watched as Thor hooked the sea serpent of the lake on his fishing line. Himir had never managed to do this himself. How could an amateur fisherman like Thor ensnare such a beast on the first try? His eyes darted to Thor's large, bloody sack of bait. Thor had claimed it was from Asgard. That was convenient, that Thor had remembered to bring fishing bait with him to visit Himir. How could you have caught the beast so quickly? Oh, uh, Asia bait is the best in all the world, Tree. The beast spat the hook back out, and it clattered to the deck. The wicked iron spike had been picked clean of every morsel. <sighs> so it seems. Thor, not wanting to lose the wager, reached for his belt. His trusty hammer, Mjolnir, was there waiting as always. He unclasped its moorings and leapt toward the sea serpent. Have at thee! Uh, uh, uh. 
Thor brought his hammer down on the serpent's head over and over again. His fingers dug into its scales, blood welling up from beneath them. The serpent thrashed this way and that, trying to dislodge the god from its head. Himir's boat rocked dangerously. The beast's frantic movements were creating dangerously strong currents. Sir, you fool! You drowned us both! Hmm? What was that? Oh. Thor's nostrils flared. His eyes were red from the stinging salt water. His beard dripped with the same. He longed to drive his hammer through the creature's brains. But on seeing the concerned giant, he caught himself. He thought of the Empress and his father, how they always begged him to be more diplomatic. His bloodlust subsided. This had never happened mid-battle before. He jumped from the serpent's head back down onto the deck. The serpent fell back into the waves, exhausted from the fight. It re-entered the water with a splash. The motion created a great wave that hit the boat, soaking Thor and Hymir to the bone and washing Hymir's whale back into the lake. <laughs> Fishing, am I right? They returned to shore empty-handed. That night, they warmed themselves by the fire. They were joined by the Empress and Blodugada. The giantess served them stew from the cauldron itself. It was huge, as big as a boulder, its white gold finish sparkling in the firelight. Did you boys enjoy your fishing trip? Twas magnificent. I caught the sea serpent of the lake. Really? I'm impressed. Himir has been trying to catch that thing for months, but hasn't had any luck. Feh! A tall tale! Do you see the serpent anywhere? The god of thunder lies. I'll show you a tall tale. I will take my hammer and- Thor! The god calmed himself. I begin to wonder if our guests are truly worthy of my cauldron. It is among my most prized possessions. Why should I hand it out so freely to one who has yet to prove his strength? Tis one thing to question my fishing ability, but my strength? Hand over the cauldron, vile fiend. We will brook no further delays. There it is, the fabled arrogance of the Aesir. Come over here and let us see how strong you are. Boys, boys, that's enough. Twas he who started it. I apologize for my companion's harsh words, Himir. Perhaps there is some other way he could prove his strength? Himir considered. Then he moved over to a corner of the longhouse, rifling through a chest. He returned to the fire with a glimmering cup in his hand. By the Nine Realms, tis the fabled beaker of Himir. I'm sorry, what now? Legend says that no matter how many times you drop the beaker, it will never shatter. Why is this guy's entire kitchen enchanted? Enough whispering! I task you with a new feat of strength. Break my unbreakable beaker! Everyone sitting around the fire gasped. 
It was a truly impossible task. Thor, not to be outdone, immediately grabbed the cup and started to try and crush it with his hands. In moments, his face flushed red with the effort. (coughs) 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 You fool! (coughs) You weakling! A look of concern passed over Blodugada's 900 faces. She motioned to the Empress, who joined her in a corner of the room. Hymir did not notice, as he was too busy cackling at Thor's efforts. Do you think he can do it, Empress? Um, no. That is unfortunate. I understand how important this cauldron is to you. Is there any other way? Hmm. Well, there's nothing harder in all the realms than my husband's head. You tried throwing the beaker against that. Both women shared a conspiratorial grin. Returning to the fire, Tira leaned in close to whisper in Thor's ear. Throw it at his forehead. What? Are you sure? He didn't say you couldn't. Thor grinned and stopped attempting to crush the beaker. Himir blinked as if wondering why the god of thunder looked so pleased. Thor turned to face the giant, lifted back his arm, and threw it with all his might at Himir's head. The beaker shattered, and Himir stumbled backward, through the door, and into the longhouse's compost heap. The others all raced outside after him. Did I win? Did I prove myself strong enough? (sighs) Very well. Thor and the Empress shared a smile, but just as they were about to go inside and retrieve the cauldron, they heard Himir make a noise. What is this? The giant had caught sight of something strange amongst the rubbish. He ordered one of his guards to come near with a torch. Thor looked about nervously. The guard approached and he held the torch over the compost heap, revealing the mutilated corpse of one of Himir's prized oxen. The giant turned back to the hall with a roar of rage. You cur! You slew my prized oxen! I knew that bait wasn't from Asgard! Only the finest meat from the oxen of Himir could catch such a serpent! Guards, seize them! Empress, how about I grab the cauldron and fly us both out of here? I think that's a good idea. Tira nodded, taking Thor by the hand. They ran back into the longhouse, grabbing the cauldron and holding it between them. But before they could reach the doorway, dozens of guards flooded into the chamber. There was no way out but through rows and rows of giant weapons. (laughs) Ah, you've nowhere to run, you fools! Tira and Thor shared a look and nodded in unison. The Empress drew her sword, and Thor drew his hammer. The guards raced toward them, sure of their victory. 
But Thor was an old hand at slaying giants, and the Empress hadn't conquered the North by sitting around on her behind. The duo wheeled around in a flash, slashing and smashing at the giants. Tira used her smaller size to her advantage, ducking beneath one giant's club and slashing the tendons of its legs. Thor's hammer sang as it struck bone and crushed skulls one after the other. As soon as the area around them was clear, both Thor and Tira grabbed a hold of the cauldron once again. They sent it rolling across the longhouse floor, crushing the remaining enemies in their path. The doorway was clear, and any surviving giants were too terrified to approach. Himir howled with rage. He unsheathed his sword and raced toward them. He didn't make it far. Only a few paces from Thor and Tira, he stopped abruptly, eyes bulging in shock. A blade sprung up from between his ribs. He looked down at it in disbelief, and then he fell to the floor. Behind him, Blodugada looked down at him with contempt. I really need to start choosing better husbands. By the gods, you have forsaken your marriage oath. This goes against Odin's most sacred laws. Which he'll never know about as long as no one says anything. I won't say anything. What about you, Blodugada? Nope. Thor, what about you? Uh, I suppose not. Great. Heimdall? Far away in Asgard, the all-seeing watchman of the gods and guardian of the Rainbow Bridge shook his head. Great. Bloodogada, it has been a pleasure. Perhaps we should be going with the cauldrons so that you might mourn your husband. That would be best. I am glad to have made your acquaintance, Empress. I trust I shall receive an invitation to the upcoming summit. But of course. Excellent! Know that the Giants of the South are at your command, should you need them. Tira smiled. She and Thor picked the cauldron back up and began to walk out of the fortress, ignoring the strange looks from the remaining Giants. Outside the gates, they stopped to consider their journey. Oh, that went well, I should think. Tira slapped him across the face. Ouch! You idiot! You killed one of his oxen? If not for Blodogata, you would have just started a war! Think next time, instead of being so obsessed with proving your strength. Otherwise, I'll send you back to Odin, and he'll send you to Helheim. Now hold on, you silly lass. There was a perfectly valid strategy at play there. Your place is not to question... She wheeled on him, striking him across the face with the cauldron. He fell to the ground, more shocked than hurt. Tira loomed over him. I am not a lass. I am an empress, and you will address me as such. Maybe in Asgard, everyone cheers when you slaughter your way to your prize, but I don't enjoy it when people have to die for my goals to be realized. <laughs> That's rich. You must have slain hundreds to unite your realm. And I feel that weight every day. 
She picked the cauldron back up and continued dragging it across the forest. Thor rubbed his chin and considered what she'd said. She was a strange one indeed. Perhaps he did yet have a lot to learn. Thanks again for tuning in to Mythology. We'll be back Tuesday with the second part of the adventures of Thor. Join us as Thor reunites with his ultimate adversary, Loki, the god of mischief. You can find more episodes of Mythology and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free on Spotify. If you enjoy mythology, you'll love my other podcast, Tales. Traditional fairy tales aren't exactly suitable for children, and every Wednesday we dive into another dark, classic tale. We'll be back on Tuesday with another epic story. Mythology is a Spotify original from Parcast. Executive producers include Max and Ron Cutler, sound design by Brian Golub, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Trent Williamson, Carly Madden, and Freddie Beckley. This episode of Mythology was written by Greg Castro, with writing assistance by Robert Teamstra and Andrew Kelleher, fact-checking by Bennett Logan, and research by Adriana Gomez. The amazing cast of voice actors includes Tiana Camacho, Joe Hernandez, Ellie Schiff, and Julian Smith. I'm Vanessa Richardson. Hi, listeners. It's Ashley Flowers, and here's a quick reminder to check out my new true crime limited series, International Infamy. Every Tuesday, I'm taking you across the globe to look at 15 of the most notorious crimes from 15 different countries. Some stories are sure to shock, some may leave you stumped, but all are quite the trip. Follow my new series, International Infamy with Ashley Flowers. Listen for free on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts.